0: In the name of God, amen.
1: It's said that you can learn a lot about a person by the company she keeps. It's also true that you can learn a lot about the character and the core values and the life passions of those being presented for ordination by those who witness the event itself. So on behalf of Trisha and Mary, I want to thank you. Thank you for being here, but thank you most especially for who you are and the ways that each one of you dedicate your lives to making this world a better place, more in line with what we dare to believe. God dreams for all of us. And thank you for the ways on your own vocational paths you insist on asking important questions. And for your commitment to your family and your friends and to the holy endeavor of raising children well, to teaching and leading and serving others and for your commitments to the earth for the sacred ground that it is. And thank you for loving Trisha and Mary so well. They would be the first to tell you that their sense of call and vocation is not uniquely worthy of all of this fuss, and that all who strive to find a path in life and follow it deserve equal intention and encouragement and setting apart in prayer. And I dare say that one of the reasons they are both so excited about their vocation to ordained leadership is that they have every intention of bringing all of their resources to celebrating and encouraging you in your vocation and to the holy task of helping other people do precisely the same thing, to discern and live into their own holy work whatever it may be and wherever it may lead. So let's just take a moment together to dwell in this word, vocation. From the Latin, vocare, to call. Vocation has this notion of being summoned, being called to something, drawn to some work, some way of being some particular task or role. Dictionary definitions of vocation are predictably straightforward with usually four or five points. So here they are. Number one, a strong feeling of suitability for a particular career or occupation. A person's employment or main occupation, especially regarded as particularly worthy and requiring great dedication. Only in definitions 3 and 4 in most dictionaries does any explicit religious language come in, such as a divine call to God's service or to the Christian life, and a function or station in life to which one is called a religious vocation, the vocation of marriage. One of my favorite vocations comes, definitions of vocations comes from the poet William Blake. He speaks of vocation in terms of a firm persuasion. Then I asked, he writes, does a firm persuasion of a thing make it so? And he replied, all poets believe that it does. And in ages of imagination, this firm persuasion has removed mountains. But many are not capable of a firm persuasion of anything. And if that's true, we all have a lot of work to do to persuade others otherwise. Trisha and Mary, you are firmly persuaded that you are called to the vocation of priesthood, and we are, we are as well. It is one of several vocations in your life. You know that. You are each called to the vocation of marriage, and you are called to other important work alongside many other people. So what is distinctive, what is significant about this call? On the most obvious level, we could say that priests are called to work within a church, and that's true enough, although there's no guarantee you'll be paid for it, or at least not very much. And it's so increasingly common, therefore, for priests to weave all kinds of work together to make a living make a life and to live out their vocation, sometimes in the church, more often not. And as far as a scriptural testimony goes, that sounds uh, pretty authentic, actually, for this Christian path. And truth be told, much of the work in the church that we're actually paid to do isn't necessarily all that connected to our sense of vocation, but that's another issue we'll discuss another time. And all those called to ordination in this generation, this particular moment of time, we must assume that the mantle of leadership has come to us in the church when, as in all institutions of society, everything is changing so quickly that our biggest task is to learn how to adapt and to thrive in an environment um, for which the church was not originally conceived. And that's a long-distance race, by the way. It's going to require a lot of perseverance and humility and unrelentingly honest assessment. Those, two are topics for another day. Today, I'd like to speak on another plane, a different plane. Years ago, I attended what can only be described as boot camp for community organizers a week of intensive training for those who feel called to engage systems of power in our culture through the strategic organizing of people dedicated to social change. And one of the concepts drilled into me during that week was this distinction between our public and our private lives, our public and our private relationships, and even our public and our private vocations. Don't confuse the two realms, our instructors said to us again and again. Don't, in other words, go looking for love in all the wrong places. Tend to your personal life in your personal life. And cultivate your public life and your public relationships for the public good. It was and remains very good advice. But I've spent a lot of time thinking since then about this distinction between public and private vocation, and as I tried to explain yesterday to Trish and Mary in our conversations, there there are aspects of this vocation, and I suspect many others, that necessarily touch upon both realms, the private and the public. And it is, in fact, in the interplay between those two, at least in my experience, where A relationship with God is at its most intimate and life-giving. Now I'm speaking of the priesthood here because this is the vocation I've lived and known from the inside out and the outside in. But I also know from experience that it's true of marriage. And I know that it's true for artists. And I dare say it's true for everyone whose vocation in the world depends upon a robust inner life that is in service to other people. And in my experience, there's a space between these two realms. There's a, there's, a, there's a space inside between the private dimension of my call to know and love God as a child of God, to follow Jesus as one of his disciples and listens to his voice and all the reasons why it might matter to me personally to be called to this work and the public side of it, which is what is needed from me in my role, what the work is on any given day or in any season, what's asked or required. And in that space, that gap, if you will, I feel the most vulnerable. It used to be something I was ashamed of because in my happier moments, my most connected, my most go-with-the-flow moments, I don't experience a gap at all. I feel at one, I feel integrated, and even for a brief moment of time, I feel whole, fully alive. But those moments don't last, at least not for me. And I've come to realize that there's this gap inside, and that gap is my most sacred ground. It's the ground... It's the place in which Jesus is, in fact, pleased to dwell. And the more I open myself to his presence there and allow both my private and my public vocation to be informed by what he says to me there, I can do this work. In the words of St. Paul, it's not me, then. It's Christ in me, but it's also me in full humanity. That's what I think this vocation is. I don't think we're unique in it, but I think we are distinctive in it for this particular call. And so Trisha and Mary, my charge to you is very simple. As the Brits say, mind the gap. Take care, take care of it. Cherish that inner space that lives between the private and the, the private personal dimension of your life in Christ and the public expression of its call. And don't waste a minute, don't waste a minute of your life judging it and its relative size in your daily experience. Just let it be there and believe that Christ dwells with you there and trust as we said yesterday, trust that he has as much invested in your public manifestations of your vocation as you do. And he cares about your private self as passionately as those around who love you for who you are do. And to the rest of you here, I want to say this. Let Tricia and Mary's ordination be an icon for you through which to ponder your own firm persuasions, those things to which your lives are dedicated. And know that God is as invested in your vocation as in theirs this day. And just as you heard from that f- sweet passage from Numbers, Mo- from just as the spirit of Moses that came to Moses on that day so long ago was actually intended for a whole bunch of other people, some of the spirit here today because it will rest upon Mary and Trisha is also intended for you